Memphis, 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 What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and today we have the seizing ending recap, and we're going to do a little bit more than that. We're going to do a little look ahead to next year, and with that being said, we had to bring in somebody who was smarter than Ryan, looks better than Ryan, and he doesn't live as close, which is always good because it gives me a chance to talk to him. He's Nathan Qualls. What's up, man? What's going on? I, I don't know why Ryan's catching strays right now, man, but I'm glad to be here. Sorry, Ryan. I didn't tell him to say that. So <laughs> I don't know I why you're, th- you're throwing haymakers at Ryan at nine o'clock at night, man. <laughs> I said it and I am not at all backing down. Uh, no, Ryan, uh, we've talked about this many times and um, it's easier for Ryan and I to kind of be on the podcast. A lot of times we record on the weekends. Um, and if you were able to catch the last last uh, episode, uh, we shared a little bit about uh, the future of Grizz 901. And it's pretty much simple that Ryan and I are going to do a lot of draft breakdown and we're going to do a lot of podcasts on that. And so with that being said, uh, we talked about having you on to do the season recap. So me and him can do more of the draft stuff. And so coming coming up forward, we're going to hit tonight season recap the look ahead, and then we're going to go straight into the draft. And we're going to go balls to the wall until draft on the June 23rd. And at that point, we have two weeks until Summer League. And then after that, we will have a break. Uh, what I've said on the podcast and what my wife kind of just kind of gave me the idea to do is do the best of. And so we're going to do some of our uh, podcasts that we've – our podcast interview uh, is easy enough for me to say. Um, and we're going to just show those. Maybe give a little bit of a snippet uh, before it uh, airs, but that way we kind of keep the train rolling. Uh, I want to kind of keep this thing going real good, uh, but also give a chance for people who haven't heard, you know, the likes of Jamie Dixon, Tom Izzo, uh, people like that, interviews that were a lot of fun. Uh, gives us a little chance. Plus, it gives me a break because I've been going now straight um, all year. I think I've missed a few podcasts, but not many. Uh, and so we're going to have the rest of the lead uh, people coming on here. Uh, with Grizz lead. And so I uh, figured we would go ahead and uh, just pump out the content, man. Um, this season, uh, this is our first year of Grizz 901. And we're not even a year into it, just a season. But it is, by all means, it, it's been a great, great fun time. And we brought on the likes of, uh, you know, you and Chris. Uh, we have a new guy that is going to debut very soon. Um, and Ryan and I have been able to do this, but uh, let's just kind of back it up to the podcast as of just right now. Nathan, what's been your most fun thing to do on the podcast or with Grizz Lead? Because I think uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit, I think that's always a little bit fun. So anything that kind of sticks out to you? Well, first off, I do want to say I'm excited for y'all's draft stuff because I'm not the draft guy. It's not something I've ever been able to really deep dive into. So I'm super excited to hear you guys talk about that learn about that a little bit more, but 
as far as fun stuff here, the most fun I've had was when you weren't there and it was just me and Chris. I don't, <laughs> I think that goes without saying that was a great time. We, we really enjoyed that. Um, nah, man, I, I think what's been really fun here is just to come and sort of live in the moment, but analyzing some Grizz stuff, right? Like it's one of those things where it's been, you know, I, I put this out there a couple weeks ago, but it's just a treat to come on here and really deep dive into this stuff and have sort of in-depth conversations around something that brings me personally a ton of joy. I love the Grizzlies. I sort of I put all my heart into that team and to come in here and have the opportunity and the privilege to to deep dive into that just is really fulfilling. It brings a lot of joy. And so I know that's sort of a general answer, but it's the truth. It's a lot of fun to come on here and just talk about something that is as simple as sports, but that can fill your heart with so much joy. And so ton of fun, man, especially after Ja drops 52 against the Spurs. I mean, that had to be some of the most fun I've had, even when I was all pissed off at Steve Kerr and came on here, man. It was just fun to let it out in a way that's um, interacting with not just you, but all the listeners. So it's a, it's a blast, man. I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of it in the future. Yeah, this was my first full year kind of being at the helm, uh, just being a part of Grizz Lead. I've been um, – the previous season, I was a part of it, but it wasn't the same community feel and it wasn't a knock on, you know, who was here before. I just think it wasn't uh, the team camaraderie. Um, the team we have now, it's a lot of fun. We all get along, but we also kind of uh, play off each other a little bit. Uh, but looking back, uh, running the account has been a blast. If you don't follow Grizz lead, follow it at Grizz underscore lead. Um, but it's been a blast doing that. We're going to do a lot of, you know, new things, but also kind of share a lot of game time and, uh, during the game, share the account a little bit. So you get to do a feel of everybody on the team. Uh, but looking back on the actual podcast, probably I have two that stick out to me. My first one was one of my first interviews, uh, with an actual coach. And that was coach John Kaufman of Purdue Fort Wayne. That was so much fun. Coach Kaufman could not have been a cooler dude. Like he loves John Conchar and we all do as well, but he just was just, it was oozing out of him and you could tell it. Uh, and obviously um, sometimes they say, you know, don't ever meet your heroes and not saying that Tom Izzo is a hero of mine, but he's one of the coolest dudes. He's one of the best coaches of all time. And I've never had a chance to talk to him or meet him or anything like that. Uh, but when he had the had a chance to interview him, he could not have been nicer before the interview, during the interview, after the interview. He even did the whole uh, flub when he was trying to. And I asked him, but I asked him, I was like, can you do, um, you know, listen to Grizz 901, uh, whatever your name, you know, just something like that. And he forgot the name of the podcast. He like kind of messed up his own name. It was the funniest thing. And he tried to do it again and he messed it all up again. And so he's just like laughing. So I put that actually out um, as a mess up because I thought, you know, it shows it humanizes him a little bit. Uh, so it's a good time. But um, all right. Enough about the podcast. Everybody's already turned it off or fast forwarded to hear us actually talking about basketball at this point. Like, what are we in? Like 10 minutes into this thing. Uh, all right. So let's get into the year. First, let's give us a grade. The whole year, the whole season, game one to going out game six in the Golden State. California. What's your grade? So I'm going to do all of these based off of preseason expectations, not sort of what we grew to knew this or grew to know this team to be. 
But I mean, it's A plus, possibly an A plus plus. I mean, if, I know we came on here and we talked about it. Okay, if they were a second round exit, would I be happy? And I'm like, no, I'm a live in the moment guy. I'm not going to be happy if they lose ever. But I think we also talked about, man, when it came into the season, if they made just a six seed, that would have been a grand success for this, right? Just make it. We are a solid playoff team. You're not in the plan. And to be honest with what we thought the West was going to be coming into this year, just making it back into the plan and making it back to the playoffs at all was going to be a win, right? I sort of had them at six, seven, right there on that line in that range to come in and start out nine and 10. John Morant goes down with a knee injury and a blowout loss to the Hawks. You're not playing well already. And then to turn it around and finish 56 and 26 with the second best record in the league, go six games against the Golden State Warriors without your leader in John Morant, without playing your lineup, your starting lineup at all in that series. It's, it's an awesome season, man. It could not be happier. Could not be more proud of the guys. It's an unbelievable season. Plus, we got to see Ja take his superstar leap. We got to see Jaron really like flash the full potential, which we've seen little bits and pieces, but we had games where Jaron was sitting there just eviscerating guys on the defensive yeah. end, coming around, hitting a three ball, tomato chesting dudes in the paint. <laughs> I mean, Desmond Bain and his leap, Zaire becoming a playoff like rotation player. It's it was an unbelievable season, man. I, you couldn't really ask for much more from this team. Yeah, the Grizzlies finished 56 and 26. Uh, they were second in the West. And I'd have to say that if you told me that they were finishing second in the West before the season started, I would have laughed at you, first of all. <laughs> second of all, um, I had them predicted at a 44 and 38 record. And that would have, you know, in my opinion, I said seven or eight, more than likely, is probably at the eight spot. But at that point, I want to be seven or eight, not nine and 10. And that's, mm-hmm. what, you know, you can hear it on the podcast. One of the first few of the season, 44 and 38. I said more than likely eight. If they would have finished 44 and 38, they would have finished eight this year. So at least my math adds up, right? Which is always a bonus. Um, but I also, you know, give out Ryan's. He's projected them to be 40 and 42. And so a little below, right? So Ooh. not, yeah, not, not a crazy amount, but it still would have been eight. He said, I, I expect him to be in the play-in. And so with that being said, I, you have to give this an A+. And yes, it sucks. But if you go out with your guys and you don't play well and the season maybe finishes the way the Phoenix Sun season finishes, you have a bad taste in your mouth. You don't feel like you feel like you just left, you know, left more meat on the bone. You could have just played much better. But – they, First Ryan got the strays. Now the Suns are getting strays. Grizz 901. Daniel's tired, man. He's I'm just giving to everybody. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I'll get him at some point. Ryan will get him later again. Don't worry. Um, but um, I, I just think it was an A-plus season. I think it was a season that you have to look back on and, and say this is where they really grew up. This is a chance that they had to uh, – no expectations – uh, they really had their season where they had so much fun, probably the most fun. And I, and I think you heard that on the exit interviews, the most fun they've ever had playing basketball. And that says a lot on a professional level, but it also says that going forward, it's about the business. It's not going to be as fun because there are going to be some guys that will leave the team and you're never going to have probably this group that, that really just kind of grew up together. 
Uh, it's not going to be around much longer, but I, I'm excited about the future, but it's definitely going to be a change. Yeah, I mean, some guys are going to go. It just is part of the business. But um, I think hearing, hearing not Robert Perry, I'm sorry, Zach Kleiman say yesterday that paying guys is not going to be an issue was really comforting to most Chris fans, I would say, because there's one of the things you always worry about and that's hard in a small market, you know, and not a lot of people know Robert Perry sneaky, what top three, maybe top two now richest owners in the league. They say he's the third richest owner in the league. Wealthy wealthy fella. So he's able to pay some guys, but it's good to see that, you know, that's sort of the tie's comments, sort of what I expected coming out, which was, I want to be a starter, but does he really want to leave the team? That's so much fun that he could get, feasibly get paid just as much money on without much sacrifice. So that'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think what's really exciting is that the core group of guys that's going to be moving forward with this team are going to be the culture setters for this team moving forward as yeah. well. Right. Like you, Ja, Jaron, Dez, even Zaire, I think that they are they came in at the right time with the right guys around them that they will now carry that culture on. So, you know, you, every once in a while you get guys that are locker room killers, but I think the front office has done a really good job of not doing that, bringing in the right people around them. And I think those guys will carry on. I think you'll get the same energy with these guys, obviously, as you keep going and it becomes more about winning. There, there's a level of severity that comes with that, but – I think the culture's here to stay, man. I think it's still going to be the most fun team in basketball for years and years to come. Yeah, for sure. And I think they lost a little bit of that during the playoffs. Uh, It was a tough series with the Timberwolves, and it was a lot of back-and-forth players, fans. And then you get to the Warriors series, and it was um, was a dirty – it was a weird series. I don't want to say it's dirty because I don't think anybody was trying to hurt anybody in particular, but – it was a you know dirty series. It was roughed up a little bit, and you know Twitter got a little crazy at times between <laughs> fans, uh, to say the least. But uh, going through the season, you know, Job becomes an All Star starter for you know the first time ever, and it was a chance uh, that I had going back and listening to the podcast. And I asked the question: Is uh, is John Morant going to be a, an All Star this year? And the guy who was my co-host at the time, and he's still my co-host on this exact same podcast, he was uh, within a half second said, no, no, like just straight up, no. And so, um, unfortunately, he's still my co-host, but um, he did say no. And I kind of laughed and I was, and I just thought, you know, and I said that he really does have the chance this year. And so, Ryan, if you're listening, um, there's another, but uh, having a, ma- a magical season that jaw did, he led the team in almost every category except for blocks, which Jaron did uh, just kind of goes back to show how, how effective and how awesome jaw was this season. But um, let's get back into the, uh, the memories real quick and we'll hit on those. And then we'll kind of fast forward a little bit and look, look ahead because I think that's always important to look ahead because there is a lot of questions on the table um, and maybe we'll get some answers. So uh, favorite moment, just in general, if there's one that sticks out to you, uh, and we can go through as many of these if you want. I mean, there's all kinds of awesome stuff that's mostly jaw-related, let's be real. He just had some spectacular dunks. I mean, first game of the season, he threw down that hammer alley-oop that Melton threw him, and it was just yeah. such a tone setter for the rest of the season. That feels like the dunk on Pirtle, 
all that stuff, just some really awesome stuff. But I would say this as far as a non-jaw moment, because he has the game winners that are awesome, right? And really the one that stands out for me, I do want to go into a jaw, is maybe the second game against the Timberwolves. He's sitting there in, like, clutch situation. He just carried the team. It was the one they went to overtime, but he hit the three to put him ahead in fourth quarter. I thought that was an awesome moment just because it was a jaw take the reins and he's not just going to the cup type of moment. It was almost like a initiation. But my favorite team moment outside of that is, has to be the Suns game, man. I don't know how you could say anything else. I mean, the the Thunder win was cool, but it almost felt it almost felt a little dirty for me and happy about it. It's kind of looks like kicking a poor little puppy that's all defenseless. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're so bad. But the th- the Suns game and specifically when Santi Aldama hit the pump fake in the corner, mm. drove the baseline, threw down the look away reverse slam, dude. I lost my mind. That was one of those my wife came home from studying and I made her sit down and watch the highlight 20 times. <laughs> it was just so awesome. And it was just, it so summed up what this team is, which is next man up. They're all in this together and everybody, the collective team and everybody in FedEx forum just went eight when that happened, man. They just went wild. And it was, it sums up this team and what makes them so much fun. And the, like we were talking about earlier, the joy that they bring Man, that moment really st- stands out to me more than any of the others. It's just such an awesome moment for a guy who has shown improvement this year but didn't get much playing time. To come to that. Like Probably the swaggiest moment of the year, dude. It was <laughs> awesome. It was so cool. I love it so much. So that's probably my favorite memory. And then obviously got, like I said, game winners and Ja just dunking on the entire league. So, yeah. No doubt. Well, uh, looking back at mine, uh, it was it was funny because a lot of my memories were games I was at, which is um, in the moment you realize it and it, it makes it even cooler. And then you go back and watch them and it's even better than that. Um, but I was at the uh, the Thunder blowout game and at halftime we went into the, the bar, the big bar there, and um, we literally just stayed at the bar the, the whole rest of the game. And then we're all sitting there. The bar is filled up with fans and we're all watching on TV as well as hanging out. And I hear defense, defense. And we're the whole, the whole crowd is like looking around at each other inside the bar and and everybody's confused because you could, it's loud. I'm talking about we're so far, not so far. We're pretty removed from the game. And you hear this loud defensive chant in the middle or, or towards the end of the fourth quarter. We're like, what is happening? So we like literally had already tabbed out. So we took, grabbed our beers and like walked back to the game to find out what was happening. And that's when we realized that they were going for the record and they were up by what 70, whatever it was. And they were trying Mm -hmm. to get the record. And it was, it was awesome because it was funny, but it was so Memphis because Memphis is so petty. (laughs) So petty. It's awesome. Uh, But the other one I was at, I was third row uh, of the Spurs game. When uh, Jod dunked on Pirtle, uh, that was so awesome. Uh, in the moment, the, the crowd went just complete, just crazy. Uh, <laughs> but then the half-court shot, uh, not half-court, where, where Stephen Adams threw it the whole length of the court, Jaw caught it at halftime and threw it up for that, and then he went off for 52, I believe. And so um, that those are my two favorite moments. Uh, but overall, I – love covering this team because they're a bunch of good dudes 
And I don't think that uh, that goes unsaid a lot of times because, you know, not every team is as gets along as well as this. Not every team has as much fun as this team has. And so it makes it a joy to really cover a team that is just awesome and they're good dudes. And so uh, that's what I look at um, overall throughout the whole season because it was a lot of fun. So um, do you want to get into players now? Let's get into yeah, players. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's jump it. into it. All right, so let's break down some of these players. Uh, this season, everybody knows how it ended, and but we want to talk about maybe the growth of some of these players. And we're going to hold off on probably uh, Bain and Ja until you know last, just to kind of give them a little bit. Um, and I want to hold off on Tyus, Kyle, and Dylan. So those five, okay, everybody else is free up for grabs. So let's hold off on Tyus, Kyle, Dylan, Ja, and Bain. Uh, so let's go ahead and go back and forth on some players that you some growth, whatever you might like on them. Uh, go ahead and give me what you got. Give me a curveball, man. I had to make sure I had my notes right so I didn't hit on the wrong guys. <laughs> God forbid I'm never invited back. <laughs> um, all right, let's start with let's start with sort of an easy one because I think we both think there's one player that's deserving of a deep dive. We'll both probably go into that, but I'll, let's start with Milton. Let's do that. All right. So. Melton, I gave him again. These are all based off of preseason expectations. I gave Melton a B, and he was floating with B minus in my head. I actually have a minus here that I scribbled out. Um, and I, I gave him the B because I thought he showed some improved playmaking this year. I thought he improved as a passer. I thought he, um, showed some improvement in transition you know last year was one of those things where one of those situations where Melton was dribbling on a fast break unless he was wide open I was pretty worried about what was going to happen once he got to the cup right like I I didn't trust him to either make the right play or finish and this year I trusted him a lot more to be able to do that um that being said the reason he was flirting with that b minus is because he's still really loose with the ball. You know, he's still really loose with the ball. I don't trust him with the ball in his hands. I Like I said, I think he's made improvements. I think he'll continue to make improvements. But, you know, he just makes some, like, lazy passes, poor decisions. Um, I, and that's that's something that's really got to change because he's a guy that needs to have the ball in his hands a little bit more, right, for the role that he is going to play. I think that is only on this team but in this league, right? He needs to be that sort of six-man Jordan Clarkson-ish type of role, um, where he can get on heaters, make shots, but really just keep the ball moving for you. And he's got to be able to make better decisions to do that. And that last part is another reason he got the B instead of over closer to an A is the jumper was still a little streaky. You know, he's he's not as consistent as I thought he would be. I thought he'd make a jump in consistency this year, and he just really didn't. But um, I'm interested to see if that's going to come along. I think that's the biggest thing for him is can he get that shot to be more consistent. Obviously he's a heater type of player, but you know, it's one of those things where if he's, if he's open, he needs to make those shots. Right. And can he get to a place where you consistently rely on him to do that? But so I gave him a B, a B um, overall for this year. I, I thought I was, I was happy with his performance, but there is some stuff left on the table that I thought he would improve upon. But what, what'd you think? Yeah. I, I like Melton. Uh, I don't have a grade. I'm not, I'm gonna let you do those um, on yourself. Uh, but I'm going to say that, if I just had to sum him up, he's a great player, and he's a player that you have to have if you want to be a championship-level team. But he's also 
in my opinion, this is strictly just me. I think he's just a regular season player. I really do. I don't think he's a guy that really you can depend on when it comes to playoff times. I think he's uh, very much all about matchups, such as I think the same thing with Brandon Clark. I think it's all about matchups. And with that being said, with the contract that the Grizzlies have him on right now, right? He has a eight and a half, roughly $8 million contract for next season and season after. So that's a good contract. That's friendly contract. If he was to leave the Grizzlies, could he get more than that? Probably, but it would probably be a, a bad team. He could be a starter or a very, you know, bigger contributor on a team like, you know, the, the magic or the you know Pistons, so, you know, teams like that. But on a really good team, I think he's going to be a good regular season player who can come up clutch. Uh, But if you look at, you know, these teams in the playoffs, like they're playing seven, eight players and an undersized guy next to another undersized guard. I think that's tough. So I I consider him a regular season guard. I think, I think maybe I'm a hundred percent with you on the matchups part. As far as regular season versus playoffs, if you if you're saying that he's a regular season player because he can is entirely dependent upon matchups, at this point in his career, I completely agree with you. If you're saying he's a regular season player because he doesn't show up in the playoffs, I'm not so sure that that's fair. You, do you understand the difference I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So I because it's the same thing in the in the Timberwolves matchup, he was useless. There's no right. chance. They were so big. He, there's no place for him because he he couldn't make up for his inconsistent shot and poor decisions as a playmaker on the defensive end because they're so much bigger than him. Right. Whereas in the Warriors uh, matchup, he made a lot more sense to go to. So I'm with you in that, and that's I, – I agree with you in that regard. I'm one, I wonder if he can make any kind of leap to be able to do that, right? Because it's it, – right now it just doesn't seem to fit because anything that he would improve upon, you have a Tyus Jones who can do just as well, right? And so – if Tyus ends up not coming back, maybe that changes a little bit. But, you know, it's right now, if you need someone that needs to be a playmaker and facilitator, Tyus is better at that. If you need yeah. someone who's going to be a shot maker, sometimes Tyus is better at that too, right? And so it, I agree with you in some regard. I wonder if he can take a leap in both of those areas to be able to be that guy, right, that can do that facilitating, that can do that sort of – um, Swiss Army knife. Main thing it needs to be shooting, but yeah, I'm with you in the respect that he's matchup based in the playoffs. But it, as long as you're not saying that he's like he's not going to show up, right? It's no, he's matchup based. You know good I mean? player. I just think he needs the right matchups to be able to show up. But uh, anyway, all right, let's keep it moving. I'm going to give you um, one guy. We're going to speed through three of these real quick. Because I don't think they need much time. Yeah. Uh, give me uh, ten seconds on each guy ish. Ten ish seconds. If you want to go longer, that's fine. Uh, Xavier Tillman. Awesome guy, going to be a great NBA rotation player. I don't think it's going to be with the Grizzlies unless they go a different direction than I think they will in center. Yeah, he's 1.7 this next year. Uh, then he's 1.9 the year after. With a, you know, That's the team option. So he's under contract for two more years, which is nice. And he's very cheap, uh, very good uh, backup. So I, I'm fine with him as is. He's Jaren's, um, you know, they're, they're best friends. So I want, definitely want to keep him, keep him happy. Uh, and his friend, who's going about to make $28, $27 million a year, I think he can take care of him if he needs to, um, yeah, whatever probably. they got to do. Uh, all right, Killian Chili? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to go off of. I don't, 
I'd, I'd imagine him being a, a two-way player again or a, a G League guy that finds a spot, but he's just too hurt. Well, Chile is on the roster. He's uh, He has a $1.9 million contract this next year, so he's on the 15-man rota- uh, the roster at least. Um, I said in the, on this podcast at some point that I think Killian Tilly will be a rotation player next year. The issue has been it's not been his skills. I think he's skilled enough. I think he's actually what this team wants is a, a long, um, a semi-athletic player who can shoot well. He just can't stay healthy. So health is his biggest thing. If he can stay healthy, yeah. I think he's a rotation player. All right, let's go to the next guy, uh, Santi Aldama. I'm excited to see his improvement. He showed improvement this year already. And as far as just being able to settle in and be comfortable, I think that was his biggest thing. I think he has the skill set. I think it's just being comfortable. I don't think he'll ever be a star. I think he can be an awesome rotation player, though. Yeah, he's making $2 million over the next two seasons, and then it jumps up to roughly four the, the third year from now. So um, he's under contract, and then he was restricted free agent. So he was just in his first year. Uh, that pick was a little weird, I'd have to say. I think everybody agreed it was a weird pick. Uh, but he's shown flashes of being good. All right, so I don't want to take anything away from him. I think he can be a good rotation player. He's under contract and he's cheap. So I, I think that this is a guy who uh, the Grizzlies, um, I think they knocked, knocked out of the park with him. And I never would have said that because I didn't think he was that good of a player. So let's, uh, let's take some time, spend some more time with somebody else. Zaire Williams. Oh, I thought you were going to go with my guy, Jitty. You're only giving me 10 seconds on Zaire. Come on, no, You take longer on him. Zfro. Let's go, baby. He, he was one of my f- favorite players so far on this team this year i i mean i gave him an a minus for the year i expected the guy to be a net negative all year and at the end of the season i was i was asking for him to get more minutes in the playoff games and playoff games against the golden state warriors i mean his his ability his potential on the defensive end combined with his ability to create shots you saw him get more comfortable as a cutter creating off the dribble I mean, he's hitting step back threes off the wing. I mean, it's like it's it's exciting, man. He's I am thrilled with that pick, and I was pissed about that pick when they made it. I really wanted Moses Moody, and Ooh, man, yeah. King Climbing reigns reigns supreme. Trust till they bust, and I, I'm super excited, man. He showed. I mean, the defensive stuff is just incredible. I, the, the quickness he has with the length he has. I mean. He's doing about as good a job as you can on Steph Curry. I mean, Steph's still hitting tough shots, but I was excited about that. And then I think it was – I don't know if it was against the Warriors or the Timberwolves, but he had that little leaning three in transition in the corner, just catch and shoot, but still like full sprint. When he made that, I just looked at the basketball gods, and I was like, stick it in my veins. More of this every day. I want this. It's The potential is just through the roof, man. I couldn't be more excited. I'm trying to, for all the listeners, I'm trying to bribe Daniel into going to summer league with me just to see his development. It's uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, We'll see if we can expense it. (laughs) (laughs) Expensing. eh, We'll see. We'll see. Um, So he's making four and a half million the next two seasons. Then it goes up to six. uh, Then he's restricted free agent to that. So um, he was a first round pick just like Santiago Dama was. Got a little bit more money, but he's also under contract for a, a while. So um, they did knock it out of the park with him. Um, I'm looking at, and this is kind of a teaser, um, pay attention to people that have bad seasons 
in their freshman season for whatever reason, and they end up falling in the draft. But they were projected coming out of high school to be a really high pick. But for whatever reason, they had a bad freshman year. And a lot of times what these teams do is they look at why did they have a bad freshman year? They just didn't play well. They didn't have you know good stats, had a bad, you know, bad year overall, like nothing looked right. Same thing with Zaire. Zaire was projected a top five pick in the in the draft. And be, he started falling because he didn't have a good season. Well, there's other people that the same thing happened to him. And one guy in particular had an injury his, his senior year uh, in high school, goes to college, and then actually has another injury in college. Uh, and so back-to-back injury issues, but he's still a very good player. He was projected to be a top five player in the, in the complete college basketball, but and especially coming out into the draft, but he just had bad luck and he just had bad injuries. So uh, pay attention to that because they do like the long guys who um, can stretch the floor as long as they can also shoot. So shooting, defense, all that, the three and Ds are always very, very good. So let's go uh, to John Conchar. You want to go to Jitty? So let's go hit some Jitty. Um, I love Jitty, obviously, and you can hear the uh, the interview we had, as I talked about earlier, with his his former coach, John Kaufman of Purdue Fort Wayne. So give us what you got with the Jitty. Honestly, I just like dunk shots. <laughs> Being honest, I just love dunk shots and sports and fun sports and neat sports. I don't know what his role on this team is, but I hope to God he keeps one because he's just so much fun to have on a team. That's really that's really all I got. I mean, dude is just a rebounding menace and provides gadget minutes. I don't know if he can really provide much value to a contending team other than it makes everybody really, really happy to be around him. But that's really all I had. I really thought you were just going to mention his name earlier, and I was excited to say the word dunk shots. And so that's about all I got. <laughs> yeah, he signed the uh, four-year $9 million contract, which is not bad, like $9 million, I'll take it. So he's under contract um, the next two seasons for 2.3, 2.4. Uh, and I, I would expect a player of his caliber and what he can actually do, that contract is very, very good. It's very team-friendly uh, because he can fill a role, whether it's regular season, he can actually come in during the playoffs because he is a guy who kind of gives you that spark plug, the energy. He can play against any style of basketball because he plays with energy. He's, he's big enough. He's also can play small ball because he can get up down the floor. He can also handle the ball. And I think that he could actually become a backup point guard, but he'd had to work really hard. That was his struggle in college is his point guard abilities trying to handle the ball. He's not been great at it, but I really do think that he has the ability to do that. He would just need to go and, and literally make that his job. And at that point, I think he can, I think he can do, what other players do, but he, I don't know if he'll ever find that role anywhere, especially with the Grizzlies, but I really would like to see him go that direction. All right, uh, let's hit on some guys that play a lot of minutes. We'll go to the bench first, and we'll go hit on Brandon Clark. Dude, great bounce back year from Brandon. I gave him an A for the year. Super reliable. I mean, the second jump is just wild with that dude, and, and he gets to that floater. It just feels automatic, right? And when he gets that shot off, I always expect it to go in. Obviously, he said in the post game, or I'm sorry, the exit interviews that he wanted to look at the three point shot. Obviously, that's a great addition to his game. 
I wouldn't want him to do what he did his sophomore year and yeah, really like force that to be a thing. Um, wanted to stick with his bread and butter, but obviously if you can get consistent with it, then yeah, awesome. Great. But I, I do want to see a little bit of a increased, I don't know if it's increased IQ, but it's increased awareness on the defensive end. I think offensively he stays pretty locked in, stays around the ball, has a nose for the ball, knows his role really well. There were some times in the Warrior series where he would just get a little bit lost on the back end. And it's it wasn't just a Warrior series. I saw it a few times throughout the year, and it was not something I've done a deep dive on, but something that I noticed enough times for it to be a, a thing in my head, right, which is he just gets a little bit lost on – switches rotations especially when guys are back cutting and that's something that i think for him to reach his full potential he has to be better at but man all in all there's really not much more to say he's just like mr reliable dude yeah. just is awesome around the paint knows his role plays it really well this little nitpicky things that he could improve on yeah no i agree i, I think he is a player that um he's gonna be playing for a contract next year I wouldn't imagine that they give him an extension this offseason. I think he deserves an extension, but what does that number look like? And that really what that's what it breaks down to is what's that number? He's getting paid roughly a little over four uh, this year or this upcoming season. So where do you go from here with a guy like Brandon Clark? He's great off the bench. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter for the Grizzlies. If they want to be championship level team, he cannot be, but he can be really a good four to Jaron if Jaron can get better at the five. That's really what it has to come down to. Jaron has to be able to carry the, the five. He has to be the big. And at that point, that actually makes Brandon more valuable to this team because it because if Jaron can move to the five, Jaron slides, uh, I mean, sorry, Brandon slides into the four. And you're small ball, and you can open and space the floor, especially if Brandon figures out a three. So I'm curious how that goes. All right, let's go straight into Jaron. Before your you do. All right, what's up? you do, I have a thought around BC that's an ugly thought. Ooh. I don't like this thought. All right, what's up? Do you think BC could be one of those shocker trade pieces in a big move? Yeah, it just depends on what you're bringing back. Yeah, um, obviously, but if they could go get – if they could go get a truly game-changing piece like a Jalen Brown, I, I it's been in my head, and again, I love BC. I want him to be on this team. This is not something that makes me feel good inside or warm and fuzzy, but I've thought about him being one of those key pieces in a big move trade. And I just I just want to get your opinion on that. Yeah. I, I just I think I you're know. gonna have to you're gonna have to come off some of these uh players if you want a big piece. Um I don't think the Grizzlies are in the, the spot that they can get one of these big pieces. I really don't. And I don't know who would be out there that you'd want to get. That's the thing. I, I don't know. I don't know who falls in line with the style of play. I don't know who falls in line with the, uh, the, the locker room in general, because you got to understand this is Ja Morant's team. So if you're going out mm-hmm. to get a big piece, you have to go out and get a big, in my opinion, because and you already have Jaron. So do you you have to have somebody that might be at the the three, maybe? And so that would then slide, you know, Bane into you know the wing, which would be roughly the two. 
She had a forwardish that somebody who could play, you know, three, four spot. Uh, and obviously, and, and using this guy as a complete, um, not, not what we're going to be able to get, but what I wish the perfect player would be somebody like Jason Tatum, right? Somebody who yeah. doesn't take the ball from jaw. He doesn't need the ball all the time. But if you're creating and you dish out to Jason Tatum, he can go get his own shot. That's the player that you want. But I don't know if you're going to get a guard like a Zach Levine. He doesn't need the ball as much. So you could actually get a player like him. But getting a guy like Jalen Brown, who really kind of would be better with the ball more often, I don't know if that's the key. Bradley Bill, I don't know if he's the guy you want. Plus, he's older. So I don't know. I, I think it would have to be the perfect fit. And at this point, I'm just going to you know let the Grizzlies fans know as we're going to have to part with somebody. And I think those pieces are going to have to be Melton, Clark, and Dylan Brooks. I think those are the three assets that you have because some people want to uh, completely be faded on Dylan Brooks, and we'll talk about him later. But Dylan Brooks, you don't find him often in this league. He's a guy who can guard every position. He can score from anywhere on the court. He just doesn't take the right shots. Outside of the taking the, the wrong shots most of the time, if he figured that part out, he would be one of the best players to have on your team because he's got that crazy switch and he brings a different aspect, especially to this team who is happy-go-lucky. I'm all excited. I'm Jaron Jackson Jr. I wanted to block your shot. I also want to foul you. No, you have a guy like, like Dylan Brooks who's crazy, all right? And he doesn't hide his crazy well, uh, and that's okay. He reminds me of my daughter. She's a little crazy, uh, and she doesn't hide it. So I just think that you have to have a guy like Dylan Brooks on this team, but he can't do what he's been doing. And so that's, you know, just to get off on a tangent, I really think you got to find the right piece. Um, and I do believe that you're going to have to have somebody like Clark into that uh, trade. I agree. You know, I'm looking at you. I'm like, do we want to do this now or we want to do this no. later? I think we should do it later. We're but doing no, it later. That, that's my thought. Again, I, that's a gross thought. It makes me feel icky inside to talk about trading BC. But at the end of the day, there's not many guys on this team you wouldn't trade to go get. In my opinion, a, a Jalen Brown. I think Zach Levine's a free agent. I want to say, I want to say he's unrestricted, he right? Yes. I don't know if you he'd want to do a sign and trade to make salaries work or what, but um, I haven't really looked at his contract to know. But he, Zach Levine, there's certain guys that you just, if you want to take the next step, you got to move. Again, I, I don't want it to be BC. There's a lot of guys I don't want it to be. So it's a thought to pop in my head because you know, when Jonas got traded this offseason, everyone hated it. And, no one's mad about it now, right? And at some point, you got to make those kinds of moves. So there's just a thought. I just wanted your opinion on it. Your yep. opinion on it. Sorry, that was not English. Last two guys before we head on to the rest and kind of do the full look ahead. All right, let's hit on Jaron first. Jaron Jackson Jr. gave him a B minus for this year, and it was tough. There, I, when I was looking at Jaron's grade for this season, I fluctuated between like a and c plus it's just depending on the moment you wanted to give him a certain grade right and what i landed on was that he made a huge defensive leap this year obviously if he wasn't in foul trouble all the time he would have been a top three defensive player of the year candidate right may have won the thing it's it was a unbelievable leap and you saw his presence on the court and how much it changed for the grizzlies but 
the fouling is still a thing, right? That's a problem that that is what robbed him of real consideration for that award. Um, he still, in my opinion, is not as strong enough of a rebounder for as big as he is and where he's going to play on this team. I understand he's on the perimeter a lot guarding, and that's 100% a valid argument and gives him some leeway. But there's sometimes, I mean, there's, I think in that game six, there's a time where he went up for a rebound and a guard smacked it out of his hands. You just got to be stronger going right. up for that. Um, and offensively, he showed flashes. And in my opinion, I actually was defending him against, you know, the, he was, for some reason, he's a polarizing player amongst Grizzlies fans. I don't know why. He's like <laughs> such a likable dude and such an obvious net positive for him when he's playing. And he played 70-something games this year. I think he played the most games out of he anybody did. on the team this year. So I'm like, I don't know why he's polarizing, but I was defending him about his paint scoring. It was noticeable the leap he was trying to make in the yeah. paint. Right? He... It was very clear he knew I need to be better down low and was making a concerted effort to be better down low. But he he still gets sped up. You know, the same thing happens defensively. Again, we've talked a million times his hands get down low. Right. He, he's not a dumb guy. He knows to keep his hands up. He just gets sped up during the game. And he's got to be able to develop a little – post hook type move where he can just slow down and back a guy down yeah. and not panic and have to go quick and get those charges. Right. This, what is that reliable thing? I expect him to have that coming into next year. Yeah. Cause in my, in my head, I think not fouling, which is a completely mental thing is the number one issue. Number two is going to be getting that paint move being consistent. That's some move you can always go to when you're down low on the paint, because if he does that, man, No one is stopping him. I mean, you've got Porzingis and Gobert, maybe Robert Williams, a third, or that three guys I can think of that could probably defend him in the paint with that kind of move. But maybe just get that reliable little hook like Jonas Valanciunas has. Man, it's a monster. He'll average 20, 25 points a game. So um, overall, I thought that the the negatives were still too negative. The fouling's got to get figured out. He needs to figure out a paint presence. Hopefully the three-point shooting comes back. I imagine it will. Um, but all in all, massive defensive leap. You can tell he's made an effort to grow in those areas. And so super excited going into next year. Again, I don't understand why people insist on crapping all over him and being out on him. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's clearly the second most important player to this franchise. So I don't Yeah, I, I love Jaron, uh, but um, I don't make him an untouchable player. And per se, uh, I think you would have to come with a whole lot. I think you'd have to back up the the Brinks truck and drop off one of the best young players as well. Yeah. I don't think there's many out there that you would have to you'd have to bring me to get off of him. Um, but I do think that uh, Jaw and Bain are untouchables, especially with their contracts. Uh, even though Jaw's about to you know have a a huge load and have the <laughs> Brinks truck backed up to him. Um, <laughs> But, Jaron, I, I do think it's all about IQ. And I think this all season has to be figuring out how to go back to his right hand. He's gotten so comfortable with that left hand, which is weird because uh, that's not a shooting hand. Uh, but that's what he wants to get to. And he he can be like 10 times better just by going back to the right. Like he makes that left, you know, into the lane, go back, spin back to the right. And he's finally started doing that, especially in the uh, the Warrior series. But, um, I really think that the sky is the limit for that guy. 
he just has to figure out the IQ. He has to has to sit down with um, a coach, somebody that he trusts, and let them actually break it down for him and explain what are you seeing here? Why are you not seeing what you're supposed to be seeing? Uh, so anyway, enough about Jaron. All right, let's get to Stephen Adams. Uh, first question: Is he long for the team because he does have a five million dollar buyout next year? Um, and then after that, you know, what are your thoughts on Stephen? I think he stays unless you trade him or you need to make room for one of the big moves we were talking about. He, he just fits, man. He's he's a fun guy to have on the team. He fits the city really well. He's the enforcer of the team, which is like the most mild-mannered enforcer ever. He's <laughs> like, an ox. Dude's going to be the duck master at the Peabody. <laughs> he's <in> there, <laughs> but he's also can carry what's-his-face Tony Bradley out the half court right. if he needs to. Um, I don't necessarily think he's long for the team. I imagine him being put into a trade, to be honest. But again, it's all about if the trade presents itself, right? It's it, it, just because of a timing thing. You know, he doesn't necessarily fit the team's timeline. I think they either want Jaron to be the long-term big or they want to go with a younger big to that can be sort of a really athletic rim runner offensive presence. But Man, I don't know. The rebounding, he showed a better ability on defense to switch than I thought he would. And then the playmaking was so underrated, man. Yeah, I never expected that when he got traded to this team. But, I mean, not even just the seal-offs and just the really amazing body placement on, on plays. It's just so smart, veteran savvy. But his ability to pass, I mean, to really – thread the needle is is impressive so i i think unless you i think the only time or reason adams would be moved off is for an opportunity like a real opportunity to get a better player or like a really good draft pick or capital something along those lines otherwise he fits too well to just move him just to move him right for you're not going to see him moved in a justice winslow type trade is what i would say right now you're not going to move him in a risk reward type scenario so i don't think he's long for the team but i don't think he gets moved no matter what either yeah so he is uh 29 he'll be 30 coming into next season uh he's scheduled to make 17.9 million uh and so the grizzlies can actually waive him and only pay five so they would they would save roughly 13 million if they did waive him um so look at that if for some reason they need to make room for money right because they go out and get a big then i think that is where you're gonna actually see him wave i don't think i don't think they trade him i don't think there's a reason i don't know who would want to pay that much money for that guy because i don't think his next contract is going to be that much either so i think he's going to be making less for sure but also you want to do right by him as well so if you can pay him I, i think that's important to do so I think there's a lot of questions are surrounding him, but I really do like him being on this team because I don't think Jaron's ready for the five. I just don't. And so with Maybe. that being said, if you can cover up and give Jaron one more year, especially through the regular season, and unless that that need just arises and just you know presents itself, then maybe. Um, I I did a trade um, kind of on the trade machine. With um, I think it was 929 ESPN here locally and Mark Giannato and Jeffrey show. Uh, they asked for a Dylan Brooks trade. 
And my Dylan Brooks trade was simply uh, you send out Dylan Brooks and you bring back Cam Reddish, but then you also have a sign and trade and include in that deal is you have a guy like Mitchell Robinson who um, you pay him 10 million over the course of uh, four years. So 10 year, uh, 10 million uh, per season for 40 uh, total million. So I don't know if that's bad. I like Mitchell Robinson. I think he could actually be the big next to Jaron. That gives you a lot of size to help out with jaw. I don't know if those guys can switch well enough. Um, I don't know if he can switch, but I think he's younger, much younger than Steven. And I think he gives you exactly what Steven can give you. So that might be somebody he's actually going to be a free agent. So that could be somebody you can look at because I don't know how much you're going to pay him in New York because I think he was hurt for some of the season as well. So um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I just don't want Mitchell Robinson out there where he can keep blocking jaw shots, man. That dude was a problem for John Morant when he was trying to get into the paint. Yeah. I, I like Mitch Robinson a lot. Um, I just, I, I still get stuck on, I, I could, I, in theory, I really like Mitch Robinson at the five with Jaron at the four. I like that a lot. I just still think you need, like we were talking about earlier, that guy who doesn't need the ball in their hands, but can go create a shot off the wing. Right. You just need a guy that you can toss in the ball and he's not John Morant. He can go create a shot. And so if they're going to make some kind of splashy move, I want it to be around that. And so that's that's my main concern. But in theory, yeah, I love Mitch Robinson at the five next to Jaron if for the sole reason that he's not going to block John Morant's floaters anymore. <laughs> right. All right. So this has gone on long enough. So let's do this. Let's come back and uh, bring on the other five guys, Ja, Bain, Tyus, Kyle, and Dylan. We'll break those down, and we'll give you a little bit more on the next podcast. So make sure you tune in to the next podcast. We'll be doing it uh, soon after this one. Uh, and So if you're listening to this, check out part two. I'm going to bring Nathan back on that one, and we'll do that. So that's all we have on this episode. Be nice and tell your friends.